0: Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more worse than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. This passage, Matthew twelve, forty-three through forty-five, is the third and final metaphor. Jesus gives this evil, unbelieving generation here in Matthew 12. We call these people the Pharisees, a religious group that have become more and more hostile to Jesus. If you remember Matthew 12, 14, they had set their sights on Jesus and were now looking for how to destroy him. And so after he healed a man possessed by an unclean spirit, Matthew 12, they attempt yet again to come after him. This fails, of course, setting the stage, though, for Jesus to speak directly to them. And using specific analogies, Jesus identifies their problem. A problem, though, that all unbelieving generations have, and it's threefold. Their hearts are evil, so they can't stand what is good. Their hearts are hard, so they reject what is good. And their hearts are enslaved, so they can't enjoy what is good. In the first metaphor, Matthew 12, 33-37, Jesus aims directly At the evil hearts of the Pharisees when he says to them, how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart? The mouth speaks verse 34 for the good person, as he goes on to say in verse 35, out of his good treasure brings forth good, but the evil person brings forth evil. According to Jesus, the reason the Pharisees never say anything good about what he does is because they are not good themselves. Their hearts are filled with evil desires that Jesus' ministry offends. Desires like vanity, lust for power, and greed, desires he's called them out on before. In the second metaphor, Matthew 12, 38-42, Jesus uses the Pharisees' own knowledge of the story of Jonah to call out the hardness of their hearts by comparing them to the notoriously wicked people of Nineveh who repented when Jonah preached to them. Husta Gonzalez, in his sermon, The Sign of Jonah or Why Prophets Fail, really brings this point home when he breaks down the story of Jonah using the sign of Jonah that Jesus refers to in verse 39. The sign of Jonah, says Gonzales, is Ninevites repenting and calling on the mercy of a God whom they do not know, while the prophet who does know God bemoans that mercy. No sign, according to Jesus, then will convince the Pharisees because they show contempt for the sign in front of them, God's forgiveness and acceptance of sinners. In the final metaphor, today's passage, Jesus tells the story of an unclean spirit that returns to the home it left with spirits worse than itself, and he uses this to inform the Pharisees that the current state of their heart is worse, verse 45, than it's ever been and ever will be, but he doesn't fully explain what that means. Thankfully, that phrase, the last state is worse than the first, does appear in another place in the New Testament. In 2 Peter 2, 20-21, the Apostle Peter, speaking to those or about those who've abandoned the faith, warns Christians with these words. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first for it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. According to Peter, and I believe Jesus is saying the same thing, the Pharisees as well as anyone who has turned away from this good news of redemption and salvation does so not simply because they are evil or hard of heart, but because they are entangled and overcome. To be entangled is to be caught, to be overcome is to be defeated. And sadly, this is not the exception. This is the rule. We are not far from the Pharisees. Peter saw the potential for Christians to fall short in the early church with the same problem. Why should we be any different? What hope do we have of escaping the entanglements that trip us up in the past? Of staying strong and not giving up in the face of temptation and opposition that we face every day? How can we keep our eyes focused and not turn away when so many things are calling for our attention? Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2 say this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. and Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What the Pharisees refuse to do, we joyfully accept. We don't turn away from Jesus. We turn to him. We don't show contempt for what he does. We are in awe of it. We admire it. The only way not to get caught up in the entanglements of this world and to not be overcome by them is to take notice of Jesus, who was not caught up himself, who was not overcome by anything. In fact, even the burdens of the cross and the shame of crucifixion were not enough to turn him away from what the writer describes as the joy set before him the salvation of sinners, of both me and you. Fam, take notice of the Pharisees. Examine your hearts. Is it bent towards evil? Is it hard? Is it enslaved? If so, look to Jesus, don't turn away. Howard Hendricks writes in the New Testament, to know and not do is to not know at all. And I'm confident of what you know, because it's what I know too, that Jesus is the savior. He forgives sinners and he sets captives free. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.